Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Fellow Marketplace Christians, stop apologizing and start winning. Welcome to the Success Edge, the show that helps you take your walk as a Marketplace Christian to the next level. Here's your host, Christian entrepreneur, Tyler McCart. So what's going on, Success Edge listeners? Tyler McCart coming at you. Episode 110. Yes, 110 episodes, guys, that we have done here on the Success Edge podcast. Wow. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, each week as we bring you the best. We bring you stories of success, success in Christ. That's what we're all about, guys. Jesus and success in the marketplace because we believe on the Success Edge that if you are extremely successful God's way, then people will be drawn to you and you don't even have to tell them. Yeah. You don't even have to tell them that you're a Christian up front. Your success speaks for itself because they're going to come up to you and say, what in the world do you have that I don't? And why do you have so much peace? Well, each week we always bring someone or at least have a topic that we're going to talk about, about how to do that. Okay. So that's the whole purpose of the success edge podcast right there. So I know I talked about this last week, but I just want to mention it again that yours truly, Mr. McCart is on Snapchat. Okay. I'm on Snapchat. So you can find me actually at Tyler H. McCart on Snapchat. And the deal is, is that, you know, I think it's a pretty cool platform. Okay. You may, you might have your doubts or your skepticism, but it is a pretty cool platform to kind of see the behind the scenes of someone's life. If you want to look at it that way, but I'm pretty excited about it and go check it out. So I have on deck here, Mr. John Garfield. Now you can go out to releasingkings.com to find all of John's you know, information. And I'm going to have all this in the show notes at the success edge.biz backslash SEC 110, SEC 110 with the show notes. But I actually am going to have John on here three different times. We actually recorded his first section for his introduction right here on this episode. Then you'll hear two more installments later on uh, about John and about just topics that he and I covered because he and I have, I mean, it's a, it's a kindred spirit, guys. I mean, he really is a very wise man, very successful man at that. But I believe what you'll hear from John is how he was able to peel the layers back or how he puts it, his theology. And this is important, Okay, because our theology sometimes or the way we think about God or how we view God can sometimes need to, as he says, melt away or, you know, break away like a glacier, you know, in the you know North Atlantic, wherever it is. <laughs> okay, but, you know, gang, this is a true success because, you know, your belief system, your how you view God really does impact your success in the marketplace. And you'll hear this kind of walk story unfold with John. So 
Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. You can find all the show notes again at thesuccessedge.biz backslash SEC 110. And gang, we'll catch you guys on the other side. So what's going on, Success Says listeners? Tyler McCart coming at you. All right, now I need you guys to strap in on this, all right, because I got Mr. John Garfield in the house. And how John, uh, actually how I got introduced to John was actually uh, by a good friend of mine, Steve Ryder, out in uh, Eternal Leadership Podcast. And Steve passed me on to him, to to John. John and I got to talking, guys. And it's called Brothers, man, Brothers in the Lord. We are, man, we got a lot of things in common. And uh, one of the cool things, guys, that I do want to point out about John is John has been a pastor but today he is actually an engineer at a corporation. I don't know if John, if you're still a pastor or not, are you still a pastor? Nope. Nope. Okay. So you have right now a full-time job, correct? Yep. yep. And, um, so definitely in the trenches with us in the marketplace and marketplace ministry is all about it. And he's got a book out there, uh, releasing Kings, but, um, man, John, welcome to the success edge, brother. Thank you, Tyler. It's good to be here. Man, I am jacked about this uh, episode. So, John, kind of just put a little context around so my audience can get uh, to know you a little bit better and, you know, and also how you became a Christian. Okay. Uh, I was raised on a ranch in Montana, rural area. There were 14 in my graduating class. <laughs> and uh, so I, there were, uh, it was a little town called Levina, Montana. It's just about 45 miles north of Billings. Not that anybody knows where that is either, but um, so I I was uh, just raised on a ranch, saw the you know the life and death cycles that goes with uh, you know being on a ranch with cattle and horses and and when I was uh, sixteen, my mom got cancer and actually passed away yeah. over a year's worth of surgeries and hospital stays and all that, and <clears throat> I just. As I saw her health erode, it was just exactly like what I'd seen with livestock over and over and over again. And it was a wake-up call because I realized I was not going to live forever. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it, you know, it, it was very painful and I essentially buried it. But a couple years later, we had an opportunity to go to a Bible study. And this was in uh, 1970. So it was the the height of the charismatic renewal and we Jesus went to a movement. Yep. So we went to a, a, a little Bible study and uh, I had been preparing for college and I got a book with a list of a hundred books you should read before you go to college. One of them was a book called the story of philosophy by Will Durant. And so I'm reading through Plato and Socrates and Voltaire and Kant and, you know, all these guys. And what was struck me a little chapter on each one. I really liked the philosophies that I was reading, but at the end uh, of the dozen philosophers that uh, the book talked about, about 10 of them had committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get to the end of the chapter, you know, and uh, and I'd say, boy, I like what this guy is saying. And then it would say, and this this guy committed suicide. So I'd say, well, that did whatever it was that was good. It didn't work for him. So right. I'm moving on to the next chapter. <laughs> and so I, um, I met a doctor 
who invited me to his home. He said he had a daughter that was my age, so he invited me to come to this Bible study. So I took a friend, and we went to the drove 50 miles once a week on Sunday nights to this Bible study. And there were, you know, a dozen to 20 other, you know, high school and college age kids there. And it was really, I went with the thought that I would argue. And uh, what I, and convinced them how silly they were to be Christians, you know, to be, you know, religious and go to church and all that stuff. And uh, what happened was that I ran into the presence of God and uh, there, you know, it's hard to argue with the presence of God. <laughs> I remember one, the, the thing that struck me most was one night toward the end, the doctor's wife prayed and she just mentioned in the prayer that, um, you know, Lord, we just feel your presence like the dew of heaven. Now, I, on a ranch, you know, you're, you're up on your horse early in the morning, occasionally in the spring, and you can feel uh, the dew as it, as it comes at daybreak. And it sort of has this tingling feeling on your cheek uh, as it falls. And I experienced that inside a house <laughs> in in the evening. You know, it wasn't done. It wasn't outside. It wasn't on the horse. It wasn't anything. And it, and, uh, it just, you know, ministered to me. And um, so I, over the course of a couple months, he had given me some books and talked to me and I got saved and, and, uh, Got water baptized in the Yellowstone River later that summer and filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, so we bounced around in college for four years going to Bible studies, and I didn't really find a church till I actually moved out to Washington and got a job. And uh, that's sort of where I met my wife, and so that's uh, how I got saved. <laughs> Man, holy <clears throat> cow, John. I mean, the Jesus movement got you, buddy. Yep. You know? Yep. Praise God. Man, that is awesome. Now, and John, I mean, I, I just have to ask this, you know, you growing up on a ranch, you know, I mean, um, you know, me reading kind of your story in your book, you know, your dad was called Reverend, you know, um, I can't remember his first name, but, you know, he was called Reverend actually in growing up and, and here you came, became a Reverend yeah. and your dad actually later on became, got, became a Christian too. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Praise yeah. God. Wow. And so, you know, from your story, you, you, were you, I mean, was it just a radical transformation? I mean, you know, was it like night and day, you know, for you when you got saved, you know, was it all like, man, I'm all about Jesus and that's it. I mean, was that kind of how it happened? I wouldn't portray it uh, quite that way. I, you know, I was not coming out of a huge, you know, drug abuse or sin problem. You know, my my favorite sin was pride and self-sufficiency. So, uh, well, that's a pretty big one, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Lord worked that out over the years. Um, but the, you know, what happened was just, you know, with the presence of God and without that, that was the change. So we, you know, from day one, we were praying for the sick and, um, aware of demon possession and, you know, believed in miracles and amen and uh it was fun amen that is awesome i mean because i mean my my in-laws they kind of experienced that whole jesus movement i mean one of the big things the characteristics about it was that jesus coming back tomorrow basically you know and i mean it was a big deal back then 
yep. uh, for them. And, uh, you know, it, it was a big change, but you know, that's a pretty cool story that, uh, you know, you had the felt the presence of God. You actually, you're, I love what you said. You ran into the presence of God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll change a person. I, I yep. can guarantee you that that'll change a person. Well, that's awesome. You know, John, you know, here on the success edge, you know, you, you know, coming from a pastoral background, but you know, now you being an engineer, you know, in you know, in the marketplace, you know, we always love to hear, you know, people's definitions of success as a believer in the marketplace. And I really want to hear what yours is. Hmm. I don't know that I have a, you know, a great answer that I, I think that's, you know, success is, you know, number one, finding your purpose in the kingdom. Uh, that's not easy to do, um, but it's not that hard to do either. Um, and in my case, you know, I was a, you know, got an engineer, became an engineer when I thought that, you know, Chris, my Christianity and my secular vocation were two entirely separate things. And I didn't have any concept of joining them together. And um, it took me 30 years to get over that, you know, to, or to get that right. Wow. <laughs> so uh, at at first, I, you know, I went to work to make a living. And then when that was over, the party started. And, uh, you know, and then I went to church to, uh, to um, you know, get discipled, have fun, experience God, worship, you know, learn the prophetic all that stuff. And then the next morning, you know, I'd drag myself out of bed and go to work for eight hours. <laughs> so, so I didn't have a, you know, a great concept, but, but now there, you know, what God is doing is showing us how to, to uh, connect our vocation and our ministry. So mm-hmm. instead of going to church an hour or two a week, you know, it's, you know, walking in the presence of God through that whole 40 hour week. Mm. and uh, finding ministry opportunities wherever we are. Absolutely. And, so, and, and you know, I, I like what you said is that, you know, yeah, it is finding your purpose. And, you know, a lot of times that we could get confused as, you know, a Christian in the marketplace thinking, you know, well, you know, I've got my purpose in the marketplace, but then I got this also this thing kind of purpose in the, inside the four walls of this church or something like that. Yeah. You know, and I know we're going to get into, you know, a lot of that here, here later on, but you know, one of the things I, I think is key, what you said, because it's, it's a, you know, it's a definition that I've, you know, kind of cling to as far as that, and it kind of goes back to Joseph 30, you know, in Genesis 39, where it says that, you know, though Joseph was a slave, he was still a successful and prosperous man. But the key thing was, and it goes back to walking in the presence of the Lord all the time, is that it says God was with Joseph. Yeah. You know, talk to me about that. I mean, the presence of the Lord all the time with you. Talk to me about that, John. I mean, I feel like that's that's, that's success. I mean, you're going to be walking in the presence. You've got the favor of the Lord all over you. And, you know, everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. I mean, yeah. in my humble yet accurate opinion, because that's Bible right there. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it does prosper. And at the same time, you know, if, if you're going to be in the kingdom, uh, you're, you're also going to catch some warfare. Mm. So, you know, 
walking with Jesus is both the mountaintops and the wilderness and valleys and everything else under the sun. <clears throat> and one of the realities is, and we don't like to talk about this as much as, you know, great victories and wealth creation and success stories, is that, um, you know, if you say yes to Jesus and say, I want to be, whatever we're doing in the kingdom, Lord, I want to be on the front lines, um, you get to go through some warfare. And on a, on a micro scale, you know, on a personal level, that uh, that discipleship process involves, you know, some death and resurrection experiences. And those are not pleasant, they're confusing, but it that is sort of the foundation for the the depth um, in which we minister. So, so with, you know, <laughs> I, I love how, because I mean, there is that dying to self process and, you know, that warring that we're going to meet resistance because I mean, you're you're exactly right. You know, people love to talk about, you know, I'm going to, you know, a thousand, you know, a hundred fold return, you know, basically, but what they don't, they they leave off the part with, which comes with persecution, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and with that persecution, sometimes comes failure with that, you know, John, take it. Take, if you don't mind, yeah. take me to a story. I want to hear a story from you. Yeah, that's the with that. that's the nature of life. And you know, so when I um, I got married in my twenty three, you know, we had four kids, and now we have six grandkids. So by the we had been in the same church for sixteen years by nineteen ninety, and I decided I was going to, you know, I uh, I'd watched this church go through everything. We had done everything in that church. Uh, all the time I'm working as an engineer from 23 to, you know, late fifties. And, um, so, um, that came to an end and we decided to start a church. And, um, so we jumped through all the hoops to do that. There was a protocol in the, in the movement we were in to, uh, to do that. So we had a feasibility study and a, you know, church philosophy all written out, just like you'd expect from an engineer. <laughs> Details here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in 1990, you know, our philosophy was to reach out to baby boomers, which was going on at the time. And I, I just thought, you know, the church was the vehicle for what God was doing in the earth. And to translate that, my theology was that there was one mountain and that was the church. So I didn't want to dirty my hands with politics or business. I didn't count uh, my engineering work for anything. You know, I just sort of, uh, I was good at it. I got good raises. I got promoted into management. You know, I was successful in that sense. But in my heart, I didn't count any of that. You know, I was felt like I was good at it. You know, I enjoyed the, working with the people. I enjoyed the work to some degree. But in a a larger perspective, I didn't count that for anything, and I should have, you know. So, bivocationally, we started two churches over a 13-year period and uh, turned them over at, you know, know, lots of, you know, glorious moments. So, when that kind of came to an end, and, um, and I had... Of, of my original vision was, you know, so we're, we're talking 2003 because that's 13 years, that's 1990. Yeah. 
right? Yep. To, now we're in 2003. Okay, keep going. Yep. I just want to get a time for reference. Here. <clears throat> yep. So um, we planted, you know, 1990 to 2000, we bought a, met in a motel for five years, bought a building, paid it off, turned it over to another guy, started over in another rented building. <laughs> and uh, so my goal was to plant 100 churches. And my philosophy was if church planting is the most effective way to make new disciples, so I'm going to plant 100 of them. And so I started off down that path, and it, I just ran totally out of gas uh, on that. I mean, it, it worked. It was a lot, I mean, it was 40, 50 hours of engineering plus 20 hours a week of, of um, church stuff plus four kids. So it, it was a wow. play for uh, 15 years. Wow. But that but that was the the way I was raised. I mean, it it was still 20 hours a week before we started our own church. We just it was another man's vision and you know, we were doing all the stuff in that church. So it wasn't a change in commitment or lifestyle really. But I, I ran out of gas on that and it felt like a failure. And it was like the Lord you know, sort of came to me and touched some of the theological areas that we put in the book. And, and I, you know, I changed a lot of things. So it was like watching those global warming videos, you know, where the ice cracks off into the bay. Yes. <laughs> Every few months would go by, you know, something else would crack off. And, uh, you know, the Lord sort of turned me around and pointed me in another direction. Wow. And it, you know, in one way it felt like a failure in another way, it's it's not dying to self; it's dying so that you can become yourself. Mm. Because uh, that whole churchy thing wasn't who I really was. You know, I have a pastoral gift, but that wasn't the direction. I assumed it was the direction because of some bad theology. Well, that's all I, you knew. It's all I you thought knew. that was. The, yeah, I thought that was the only mountain. I thought that was God's. What was God? <clears throat> that was what God was doing. And I thought God expected me to volunteer to be obedient, and so I put my hand up and did it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't have any concept of uh, you know considering the desires of my own heart. I believed those desires were basically evil, and I didn't trust them. You know, I just read my Bible and you know understood my theological or philosophical path, and you know marched toward it. Right. Man, like a, good, like a good soldier. Yeah, like a good soldier. You know, not asking any kind of questions or you yeah. know, question anything. You know, just a robot, basically. Yeah. Wow, it, John, I, I, wow, what you just said. It's not about dying to yourself. Say that one more time. It's not about dying to yourself. It's what? Say that again. Yeah, the experiences you, you know, that death process shows you who you really are. It, it opens a door in the spirit to resurrect into who. I really am and who you really are. So, and those, we, we really can't, you know, sort of graduate to that next level without those experiences because that's a, that's a dynamic that creates the depth in us that really touches other people. Amen. Wow. I I really like that. And I like the concept that, you know, that you felt like that you were a failure, but really, you know, God was peeling back, you know, sounds like, you know, these, um, strongholds of yeah. thinking that you had and yeah. breaking them down like a glacier, you know, had to be broken down to get you to where you, you know, are today yeah. and realizing that, you know, you could do, you could be successful 
Hey, well, let me put it this way. You could be a success and a success in the kingdom, right? Yep. In the marketplace, in being an engineer yep. and reach thousands and thousands of people, you know, in marketplace ministry. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, exactly. And you know what, another thing that happened, that was kind of funny is people got saved in our church. We had great conferences and worship and great hot worship team. People got healed, you know, so it, it had its successes. It just wasn't who I was. So what was funny to me was we started this marketplace ministry, you know, releasing King's message. And so occasionally, not all the time, but, you know, you know, once a quarter or so, we'd go do a conference uh, somewhere or get invited to speak. And and more people got saved after I stopped being a pastor <laughs> than when I was a pastor. <laughs> you know, the prophetic flowed just as freely, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it was amazing. And so, you know, the religion is trying to be uh, what you're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and, and the, you know one of the and and I want to suggest that kingdom is being who God designed you to be, Amen. Or, or connecting with the desires that He's written in your heart, Man, that's so good. that the kingdom is being yourself, and that's not that's not where religion automatically takes you, right? You know, we're always trying, and I think the hardest one is to have a concept of what I think God wants me to be. And, and spend your lifetime trying to do that as opposed to just asking yourself, what do I really want to do? What if I trusted myself that I would choose what's on God's heart? I would choose something good from the standpoint that he's already written it in my heart and he's designed me to do it. Hmm. And all I have to do is choose it you know, from the inside. I have to choose to be myself. I have to choose my heart's desires and, you know, I have to discern what's in God's heart's desires and, and build a bridge between the two and, and find out that they're exactly the same thing. That's a totally different space. Yeah. And it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> a lot more freedom, a lot yeah. more, you know, no condemnation yeah. there. Man. Yeah. Well, you know, John, the the thing that... Because, you know, you know, success as community, here's what I want you to hear. I mean, that, you know, John, John had to have a new revelation. And I want John, I, we're going to do multiple episodes of of this. We got some different topics that you and I are going to do, but what I want you to, you know, tell the listeners is tell the story of how releasing Kings came about and how it got birthed. Okay. Okay. And and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up from there because I, I, I want to kind of do that. Okay. So I uh, a guy named Harold Eberly sent me sent me a book called uh, Who Is God, and the thesis of the book was uh, what we it's one of the chapters in Releasing Kings, but it's simply this that uh, we all come from a paradigm that God when we say God is sovereign. It means he controls everything. And uh, that's not technically a biblical concept. Sovereignty in the biblical sense means God can control whatever he wants to. And once you make that switch, uh, you realize that a door swings open where what, you know, our fellowship with God and our participation in making, 
you know, destiny-related decisions is important and that uh, the future is not all mapped out. In other words, the future, it's called open theology. The future, uh, you know, there's certain things that are that are fixed. I mean, Jesus is going to return. The church is going to be a spotless bride. Um, you know, there are certain things that God has determined are going to happen, and they are. You know, we're going to end up victorious and spotless somehow. Amen. <laughs> That's cement, cemented. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. But there's a lot of things that are not cemented about my personal life. And in fact, you know, what I want to do in the kingdom is you know, I think it's more accurate to think of it as multiple choice than some kind of a sovereign destiny. Mm-hmm. That I get to volunt- I get to understand what God is doing in the earth, and out of the desires of my heart, I get to pick something that I really enjoy. And uh, that's more the nature of the kingdom than uh, than you know what I came out of. Awesome. I mean, and, and so when when I, you said it was Harold. Or yeah. Harold Harold Eberly is actually the co-author of Releasing Kings. Right. I wrote most of the book, but we, you know, there. You mentioned the, you know, the Rapture theology that came out of that charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. So we we dealt with that one, yep. and we dealt with the nature of man. Now, yep. one thing that goes with this whole idea of giving yourself permission to pursue your heart's desires is that that confronts a theology that's been with us ever since Augustine, yeah. and and that is, you know, it's called human depravity or belief that our our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful who can know it mm. <laughs> so a lot of us uh, i think success edge people uh, might have been you know um might have dodged that one but yes. in my generation it was very big that people were taught that you know you're basically evil your your desires are evil you need to surrender them allow them to die you know we need to be good servants um and in fact you know, Jesus is the king of kings, and, um, you know, guess what? Who are the kings? We That's, are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, servant and son don't fully describe who we really are. Mm. You know, we have this ability to rule and reign with them somehow. We're Amen. seated in heavenly places. Amen. And, and that includes the concept of making decisions and... Um, you know, making choices and, so, and giving ourselves permission to do them. So Harold sends you this book and then all of a sudden it kind of turns you on your ear, so to speak, or opens your eyes up to things. And then you started seeing that, man, I, I'm yeah. a king. Yeah. And- it's, the book was purely theological and, and done very well. Mm-hmm. Our book summarizes it. And Harold even has another uh, book out now that summarizes all of his theology and uh, I'll think of it in a minute. I'm, I got to remember the name. Um, I can look. But it anyway, up. It's fine. the the reality is that uh, our, you know, when we think about business, there is no businessman that uh, you know goes before God every morning and, and asks Him what to do. Okay, it just does not work that way. Businessmen make good decisions out of wisdom and initiative. Right. And uh, the idea that we get everything from a sovereign God by revelation and just implement what's already in heaven is just not biblically correct. 
Mm. <laughs> and businessmen that are unsaved or saved, they all already know that. Yeah. Because if you build a business on you know expecting God to tell you what to do, the very first thing that happens is you go broke because <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, wow. <clears throat> I mean, that even so speaks God, to, God speaks can to right speak there. to us. He puts desires in our hearts. He can come and and uh, you know show us things prophetically. He can do that, but. Most of what he does is he gives us an area of responsibility and, and says, okay, I want you to steward this in, out of wisdom and uh, multiply it, and I'll, I'll come back later. Hmm. Wow, man, this is – I mean, I know we could go into so much more deeper stuff with this, John. This has been good, So, I mean, even so far. You know, John, just, you know – Kind of wrapping down, you know, just for my listeners, this is the first time they've got a chance to hear from you. You know, your, your book, Releasing Kings, you have your website, releasingkings.com. You know, what what's the best way for them to connect with you and stay connected with you? On the website, you can get a free weekly newsletter, and uh, I use that, that. I sort of write the newsletters for myself, <laughs> but uh, because they're you know what God is saying to me. But it always fits for everybody else too, because He's saying the same thing to all of us. Um, so those are really good, and I recommend them. I post them on Facebook on um, three different places. One is just under my name, John Garfield, and then we have another spot called Releasing Kings. And then we have another one uh, called Businesses Ministry. Okay. Uh, so those are the three places on Facebook that you can kind of keep up. And at the bottom of the newsletters, we uh, link to podcasts like this one that are good summaries. Amen. Uh, uh, the book is worth reading. Uh, we also have a, a coaching tool we use to, on a personal level to help people find the desires of their heart and make a connection vocationally. Amen. With King. And, you know, Success as Community, I'm going to have all of this in the show notes so you can connect with John and stay connected to this because this is really rich, rich stuff. I mean, I've already read the Releasing Kings book. I just finished it today, um, actually over my lunch break. And honestly, it, um, you know, it really resonated with me. I mean, here I am 38 years young, and <clears throat> the things that John was talking about really just resonated with me in the book it really freed me up even more. Um, and, you know, so, man, this has been good. So, John, you know, if you had, <clears throat> just for this episode here, if you had one thing, you know, let's say you're sitting down across the coffee table from a young 24, 25-year-old person that's in the marketplace, and you could impart one piece of wisdom to them, what would that be? Just to connect the dots between the calling on this generation of 20 to 40 years olds, you know, to make a difference in our culture on, on a macro scale. God is moving in this presidential election and in our nation and in every nation in the world. We have an opportunity to, to touch nations. I mean, that's the Great Commission in a sense is to bless nations. And um, he wants to make our name great to do that. And there is a particular calling on your age group, 20 to 40, I believe, to, to has a special place in the kingdom. And on a micro level, it's just uh, connecting your own heart's desire 
doing what's fun vocationally and then and then seeing how that fits into the bigger scheme of what God is doing in cities and and in our nation and in the other nations of the world is um you know that age group is being promoted into every mountain to to with uh, a huge strategy behind it a huge kingdom strategy and if you can understand that and touch it it's really fun man it's a party the, the kingdom is a party and absolutely. you're invited absolutely absolutely <laughs> well you know SEC, we're going to have John back on. I can promise you that. I'm already kind of thinking that we're going to have, you know, multiple conversations with John, you know, so we can kind of dig down deep into some of the things he mentioned on the show. But, um, John, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Yeah, it was, was this was really good, really, really good. Really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. Well, man, best of success to you, John. You too, Tyler. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to connect with you and uh, to touch this uh, age group. If you feel inspired to take your God-given skills to the next level, download our free report called The Five Tools That Every Marketplace Christian Needs to Crush It in Their Career. God loves when we use the abilities He's blessed us with to do amazing work in the marketplace. So download your report by visiting the successedge.biz slash tools right now. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Success Edge.